Hello, everybody. Welcome or welcome back to Danger on Delmarva. My name is Rhonda Jefferson, and I'll be your host as we explore the dark and winding paths that lead us around the Delmarva Peninsula. Today will be the first episode of the Spooktober series, which is where I'll be covering a tale of folklore or a local legend from each of the three states that encompass Delmarva. I originally was going to do Delaware first, going by alphabetical order, but I actually have a little bit of good news, which I'll share in just a moment. So today I am actually going to do Maryland, so I had to rearrange things, but for a very good reason. Coincidentally, I went onto the library website for my town to look at some things and found that a local author who literally wrote the book about this particular location and bit of legend was speaking at the library that night. Um, This was just last week and she spoke on Friday, so I did get to um, kind of chat with her through Messenger and also speak with her at the library event. And we are going to try to do an interview on this coming Thursday. So that means I kind of had to rearrange the order. But like I said, for a very good reason. Something else I do also want to just mention um, as I'm trying to make the introduction as short as possible for these tales is at the event also I was speaking with someone and she let me know that she could not find the podcast on Spotify. Um, I thought that was unusual because on the actual platform I use it showed the link to Spotify and everything. When I did go in though it was not there and that also then explained why the numbers for the number of listens for this past um, couple of weeks just really leveled out and you know they just weren't there. I know not every um, you know, listen would be from Spotify, but it did help explain a little bit of that drop off in numbers. It is now back on Spotify, but I can't really tell from the information that it gave me if those that followed on Spotify in the past will be notified of any new episodes um, or if because it's been re-uploaded, if that completely negates everything in the past where people were following. So additionally to that, when I went to try to share the new link on Facebook, Facebook thought that it was spam. I don't know why, but it refused to post it refused to let me send the link to people individually who requested it. Um, But eventually I did get it to go through. But that just kind of emphasizes sometimes with technology and automated responses, you know, there's just sometimes things don't work properly. So I'm sincerely hoping those that followed um, on Spotify will be able to refind the podcast or hopefully those Um, followers will still be able to get the notifications from them when a new episode is uploaded. But as the numbers did drop off, um, I'm just hoping that everybody, if you enjoy the podcast, the content, please share with some of your friends and family if you find it interesting. My podcast is not monetized in any way. I really do the podcast in order to learn more about 
um, the local area, the history that helps shape Delmarva into the large community that we are. But I also do enjoy finding out if people like listening to the podcast in different episodes and getting feedback. So I'm really hoping that you know we can get that listening number back up. And you know, I'm really hoping those that enjoyed it in the past through Spotify will be able to find it. And the very last thing before I get into the story is I am going to do my best not to overanalyze this story. If you have listened in the past, you probably know I like to analyze different parts of things and really expound on them. So as I was writing this, I actually found myself doing research about you know, biology, the environment, and I had like four typed pages of stats and even quotes from, you know, different biologists, things like that. And I realized this is a bit of Delmarva history and what people have experienced in the past. And while I will cover a little bit of that information, I think that for a spooktober or any type of episode that is more in line with a theme like that. All that analysis is not necessary. We just need to enjoy the story of what some of our friends on Delmarva have experienced. The sources that I did use will be linked in the description of the episode as usual, and I would like to give a very special thanks or acknowledgement to the website Cryptopia, and especially Rob Morphy, who had written an article with a lot of detail, which allowed me to you know, research things a little bit more. So with that being said, let's get into the tale of the Wicomico Catman. What can be more relaxing than taking a walk in the woods with your significant other? One day, you decide to visit a trail at a small nature reserve in your area. It's not very far from your home, and you and your significant other just want to get some time out in nature, away from all of the technology and constant electronic distractions that are now a part of our normal life. So you drive there and park in the pretty small parking area that's more like an extension of the shoulder of the road. You get out and you look into the forest and what you see is a beautiful sight of all those traditional fall colors. You both want to share in the wonder that a walk in the autumn woods will provide. The sun is setting and the amber sun leaves a halo of orange and yellow against the sky, enveloping the trees and fields that you can see upon the horizon. It's slowly getting darker as you walk into the woods with the vast canopy of trees blocking most of the remaining sunlight from entering in. Though many might find a dark and secluded forest frightening, especially with the sun setting and getting darker, you know that the most you may come across is possibly a deer who just wants to be left alone. There shouldn't really be any snakes out around this time of year, but maybe the worst that you might come upon is a skunk that you might frighten and, well, you think maybe I can call in to work because nobody will want to be around me if I happen to come across that skunk. There's really nothing else in these woods 
that would be frightening. As you walk along the small trail, you see a movement, and it looks large. The silhouette, the shadow, nothing can be that big. You grab your significant other's hand and pull it close to you. But the longer you stare at the figure starting to move, you get more scared and wrap your arms around the upper part of his arm. The sight is disconcerting to say the least. The silhouette that you see is somewhat familiar, but it's not like anything you've ever seen before. The shape that you can make out and the face particularly is not quite right. The size doesn't match up with what the figure looks like. You try to remember if there's any type of large cat from the area, but if there was, you would definitely know about it. This figure looks to be about the size of a man. Did pumas ever wander around Delmarva? If so, they couldn't have been spotted for decades because you don't recall any other sightings. Did maybe someone have an exotic cat that they kept as a pet, but then it either got out or the owner figured that a wild, exotic, very large cat is not something that they necessarily wanted to keep as the family pet. Then it starts to move again, and the feeling you get while you see the lithe movements of the feline-shaped creature is alarming. Then you see its glowing yellow eyes as it slowly turns its head towards you. It starts to, would you call it crawling on all fours? It really is the size of a man. The face looks more human in the little bit that you can see. That's just what you cannot put your finger on, why something looks so different. So is it crawling that you would call it? Could it possibly be a dog maybe? But no, no. This looks much sleeker than any dog you've ever seen. This looks like the sinewy movements of a cat. That's slowly walking towards you, walking naturally in the stride that you've seen other felines move in. You and your boyfriend start to slowly back away, and the figure slightly starts to increase its speed. It makes you wonder if you should just slowly walk out backwards so you can keep an eye on the beast, or should you turn and run full sprint to the car. You're trying to figure this out all in your head. This thing has four legs, so... Will it be faster than us? Most likely. How far is it to the car? Can this thing climb a tree if I decide to get in one? Then it makes its first noise. It lets out what can only be described as a very small, weak mule. Then it opens its mouth wider, and the sound that comes out makes you want to turn tail and run. And that's just what you and your boyfriend do. Holding hands, he tries to drag you along so that you can keep up the speed. But at the same time, you're scared that you might trip because you can't keep up with him. But then you see the car, and thankfully, due to the key fob, you're both able to get into the car as he unlocked it just seconds before you got to the doors. You both have to jump into the passenger side of the vehicle, him to the front and you in the back. But you made it, just as the creature comes and growls outside of the door. It rises up on its back legs and puts the paws against your car door. In the time that it's taking your boyfriend to get from the passenger seat to the driver's seat, you wonder why it didn't get you. You know that it could have outrun you. Is it just trying to 
defend its territory, or does it want you to let other people know that it's out there? Is that its way of protecting its territory, to make sure people know that there is a dangerous beast that lurks in the woods around Wicomico County? Your boyfriend finally gets into the driver's seat of the car and gets it turned on. You now know what the term or phrase burning rubber means, as that's what he does as he flees the cat. But you do have to turn back around to go in the direction of your home again. Once you get far enough away from the creature that you hope that it's gone back into the woods, he pulls over to the shoulder and you get out so you can get into the front seat. He then turns around and you head back in the direction of the nature reserve. Neither one of you have spoken, and you're both lost in your thoughts, but still have adrenaline pumping through your veins. As you approach the trail that you just left, you wonder if you tell anybody about this encounter. Will they believe you? Your boyfriend then says, between gasps, I think we've just seen the Catman of Wicomico County. So, is it hard to believe that a giant cat, a cat as big as an adult man, could live in the forest of Wicomico County, Maryland. Wicomico is a county in southeastern Maryland, just around the Delaware-Maryland line. It's home of one of the hubs of Delmarva, Salisbury. It's probably the biggest city that's closest to where I live, even though it's in a different state. Many people may travel there to visit the different restaurants and shopping opportunities, that Salisbury has, that some of the smaller towns don't. However, some people also come from Salisbury into Delaware as, if you're not familiar with this, Delaware has no sales tax. So, personally, I sometimes have to balance, is it worth it to go to Salisbury to shop, or to Dover, which is the other closest, larger city that has you know, different type of shopping opportunities. It just depends on how much you're planning to spend. And even though it does include one of the larger towns in the area, there is still a lot of woodland and forests in the area. Now, I admit I'd never heard of the Catman of Wicomico County until about two years ago when I was researching other things for a different episode. While I didn't end up going with this um, topic then, as it just kind of came up in a search I did, it wasn't really the topic I was looking for, but I did find it interesting because I do like cryptids. But looking back again at Wicomico County, to get an idea of the geography of the area, like a lot of Delmarva, it's a pretty flat land area. The lowest point in height is actually at sea level, while the highest elevation is only at 98 feet above sea level. So this may make us also question again how a large cat could wander around such a flat area and still manage to hide. At least in my mind, when I think of large cats in America, I tend to think of mountains and a vast, vast area of woodland. And while Wacomico County, again, like most parts of Delmarva, do have forested areas, would there be something that large that would hide a cat? One of the most recent sightings of the Wicomico Catman happened in 1980. 
However, there are legends that go back generations, even centuries, about a large and fierce creature that lived in the forests. So now we're going to go back to 1980. It was a fall night when four people decided to park near a landfill. If you're not from the area, you might be asking, why would four people go and park near a landfill? Well, something else also that I have in common, and pretty much everyone else in most of Delmarva have with the author that I'll be speaking with next week, we know what it's like to not really have a lot to do. Though, I was not exactly old enough in 1980 to go exploring throughout Delmarva. I can tell you that even into the 90s, there was not a lot to do. And when Walmart opened in my town, let me tell you it was a big deal. That's where people went to hang out. So prior to that, 1980, the landfill must have been one of those areas that you would go to just to hang out to get away from everybody else. And you probably just got used to the smell that the landfill wafted in your direction. So when these young people parked there, they also were near some of the woods that surrounded the landfill. Unlike the story I told at the beginning of this episode, where our two friends were taking a walk in the woods, the four young people in 1980 were pretty close to their car. They could see the very large figure coming in their direction, making low guttural noises that brought a chill to their spine. They quickly jumped in the car and, after they turned on the headlights, they saw the glowing yellow eyes approaching them, and before they knew it, it was looking through their window. So, of course, like our friends in the first story, they hit the gas and got the hell out of Dodge. But for whatever reason, they decided they wanted to go back and see what those two yellow eyes were attached to. Now, depending on the source, and admittedly the sources on some of this have very limited detail, in regards to age, genders, and even the names involved. But anyway, some sources do say that when the friends went back to the area, they also brought other friends in another vehicle. They hopefully wanted to get more eyes on the situation, plus they were kind of going with the whole safety and numbers theme. They were all very hopeful to get another sighting of their new feline friend. Once they returned, they decided to park in a way so that the headlights would illuminate as much of the forested area as possible. So having the second car there was very, very important. Having only one set of headlights would mean they would miss out on everything happening along the peripheral of where the headlights would reach. One might wonder if the new group of people thought that they were either being pranked or they came to be able to make fun of their friends for being so scared of some non-existent cat creature. They didn't see anything immediately and instead of thinking about what could possibly go wrong about having some unknown large creature that you're not even sure what it is in the area, yet you're still parked there waiting for it to come at you. So I'm pretty sure some of the people in the cars probably thought they should leave, but they all decided to stay, and after about an hour, they started to see signs of movement. There it was, something dark and shadowy moving towards them again. 
with literally more light on the situation now, they could see that it was all black, which that did make sense because they really couldn't see the creature in full earlier on. They just saw the glowing yellow eyes. The darkness of the fur helped camouflage the cat in the night. With the two sets of headlights, though, they could now see the claws as the cat raised up. While the body and movements definitely reminded them of a cat, the face was truly different. This animal was way too big to be any house cat or even a dog with some type of misshapen face. The movements were sleek and fluid, and it didn't appear like it could be human either. But the face did look human. But it had whiskers, the yellow eyes of a cat, and pointed ears. But just that whole facial structure looked like a human being. Did he look like Ron Perlman? Well, I'll explain about that in a minute. But all of our friends now at the landfill saw its tail moving just like you would expect any type of feline. So what else could this possibly be? It stopped and stared, once again moving towards you. And as it walked towards the car, one might guess that everybody was getting more and more nervous. Some of them were probably looking downwards from their window, and they could see how large the claws were on this thing. But now it was so close that when it went back on its back legs, it rested its front paws against the car. The yellow eyes were staring directly into the wide gazes of the occupants of one of the vehicles. Regaining their senses, the drivers started their cars, which my thought is, why didn't you keep it running? Because, you know, you're out there in search of what could possibly be a deadly creature, but that's just me. It's said that possibly the creature may have gotten its paw and its claws stuck in the door as there was a high-pitched scream that echoed in the air. But soon, as you're staring out the back window, you can see that it's running back towards the forest where it came from. When everybody finally gets to a safe place, they get out of the vehicles and see that in the car door where the creature had rested its paws are some very deep, long scratches. The original four were courageous enough to go to the local authorities about their experience. And while the authorities actually did an investigation, nothing was ever found. But while law enforcement couldn't find anything related to this particular incident, they did also say that over the years there had been many deer found that had unidentified claw and teeth marks, much larger than those that could be made by any known animal on Delmarva. So was this creature known to be in the area? While modern incidents regarding this cat man are few and far between, legend of this creature goes back centuries. According to the website Cryptopia, the name Wicomico comes from an anglicized version of an Algonquin phrase that translates to a place where houses are built. According to legend, some of the indigenous peoples of Wicomico County spoke of a creature that was part man, part beast, and that this creature was not afraid to attack humans and even eat them. Theories about what this creature may be vary greatly. Some people believe that it is a spirit of nature trying to protect the slowly dwindling forests of the area. 
the creature may have felt especially protective of the woods around the landfill as it had seen so many acres of trees being destroyed others ask could it be a witch's familiar or could it be a skinwalker maybe even instead of a werewolf a werecat some people have theorized that it might be a bobcat this is pretty unlikely though not impossible though bobcats are not as large as what was described bobcats are not known to inhabit the eastern shore though there have been some spotted rarely on the very far western side of maryland but as the theory goes on bobcats people speculate that because there was such a small breeding population and a lack of you know, genetic diversity basically that all of these animals bred together and basically there were mutations because of how closely they were related this would also mean that originally there had to be at least two bobcats one male one female to produce any type of breeding population or i guess there could have been the outside chance that it was a pregnant female bobcat that first came to the area but this wouldn't explain the centuries of folklore about the creature of the wicomico county forests there are other theories which again also preclude any of the centuries of folklore but these theories involve more scientific experimentation such as would a mad scientist or even governmental experiments on gene splicing and gene mutation possibly hybrids have brought this creature about so these are looking more towards chemical explanations or biological explanations due to experimentation there's also thoughts of could some type of chemical leak or contamination caused a regular house cat to somehow become a teenage mutant ninja cat if that was the case though wouldn't there be more animals with mutant traits we do know that there are creatures found every year new species that have never been identified but usually these are very small animals such as frogs insects things like that so could a large cat in an area that's still pretty populated such as wicomico go without any physical proof such as a camera as tracks for so long now like i said in my original research i had pages of some scientific facts and things like that but i'm just going to try to summarize a few more different points and some thoughts that i may have had one is when i think about cats on the east coast the first thing that comes to mind is the nittany lion even though it is thought to have been extinct since 1880 um, it originally inhabited pennsylvania which is how the penn state university got its name for the mascot the nittany lion while it's not right next to wicomico county it's still not extremely far by car if you wanted to get to philadelphia depending on traffic and how fast you drove you could probably do it in two and a half hours at least for me i know some people might get there faster some later for me it would be about two and a half hours 
in the 1800s, within a 25-year time span, more than 600 Nittany lions were killed. Now, this lion is considered to be a subspecies of cougar, and primarily it inhabited the Susquehanna and Center County areas of Pennsylvania. Could it be that one of these Nittany lions, or better yet, a breeding pair at a minimum, came down through Delaware to Wicomico County forests to get away from the killing, the loss of habitat, and over the years there may have been a gene mutation that caused more melanin. This actually happens in jaguars too, and about 6% of jaguars are black. They're called black panthers. The Nittany lion, though, is tan or sandy colored, and it can vary slightly in each cat. Or could the cats have come down even earlier than the 1800s, which would then explain the centuries of lore of a creature stalking the Wicomico County forests? That it was not just one creature, it was a small population of the Nittany lion. Coming from another direction, we have cougars that are in Florida, though not in huge amounts. Could it be that one of the cougars made its way up towards Maryland and ended up on Delmarva in Wicomico County? Never say never, as this is possible. There's also misidentification, such as a case where a whole town thought that a black cougar or black cat had been stuck in this wire fence. They did take bones and send it off for DNA testing, and it was actually a dog. But there were many people swearing that it was, in fact, a cat. So these are some of the theories out there that would explain the presence of a large feline creature. As humans, we're always looking for answers. We don't like to have anything left unexplained, but what happens when, once we have all the answers that we can possibly get, that we have dozens of theories, yet none of them completely explain what has been seen and what has been reported. There have actually been a large number of sightings on the East Coast of black cats, and Wicomico County would be included in that. None of the theories that I've gone through has completely explained the presence of a creature on Delmarva. None of those theories explain also how the creatures would be black when all of the species of cat on the East Coast are known to be more of a sandy or tan color. So what does that leave us with? Does it leave us with having to take parts of each theory and combine them to try to get an answer? Because truly, that's the only way that I can see that the presence of a creature could be rationally explained. So, could it really be that our young friends who found themselves parked outside of a landfill one night experienced the terror of a true human-feline hybrid? or feline monster? Could they have been 100% correct in what they saw? Could there really be this creature that slinks around the woods, waiting to pounce like a cat on a mouse? Would you ever risk it yourselves? Would you take a walk late at night in the woods in Wicomico County, or even anywhere else on the eastern shore?
If you did, would you be more scared of a terrible cat or possibly horrible human beings who, well, I'll let you be the judge of that. But if you do go, just remember, if you do see the Wicomico County cat man coming towards you, that you don't have to run faster than the cat. You just have to run faster than anybody else that you're with. So I hope you enjoyed this little tidbit of legend and look forward to the next two installments. But I did want to go back to my reference to Ron Perlman. If you're not familiar with him, he's an actor who's been in Hellboy, Sons of Anarchy, and back when I was younger, he played the Beast on a TV show called Beauty and the Beast. More recently, there have been pictures of him alongside cats that truly do look like him. The closest thing I'd ever seen to an animal looking so much like a human being is a cat that I saw named Wilford Brimley, who so accurately depicted Wilford Brimley, Google him if you're not sure who he is, that it was just truly uncanny. But there are many cats that look like like Ron Perlman, and those are usually of the Maine Coon variety. My cat, personally, he's about 22 inches long, um, not including the tail, and that's a little bit longer than usual. He's also 20 pounds, so he's a pretty big boy, but looking at him, both the vet and I think that he's part Maine Coon. My dad just found him one day, along with his little brother, which my dad kept, and so we don't really know what his background is. But when he looks at you in a certain way, he looks like Ron Perlman. So Google Ron Perlman cat and you will get those side-by-side comparisons. So the next episode will be released on Wednesday. And that would be the 25th of October. And we'll be traveling down to an iconic landmark in Virginia. It's a place that I've been to countless times. And I even climbed up the stairs of this particular landmark, even though I don't think I could quite manage it today. And again, I would just really, really appreciate it if you could share the podcast, um, let people know if you like the content. That way, you know, we can gain more listeners and in turn make it easier for people to find in the algorithm when they're searching certain keywords. I appreciate everybody tuning in today, and I will talk to you very soon.